This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We're going to be talking magazines mainly today, something sadly we don't do as often as we used to. But joining me from our News Corporation is Kerry McCallum. Now, a lot of people would know Kerry as a former editor of Delicious, but she's got a bigger role these days. She's called the Editorial Director, Premium Food and Travel. Now, Kerry, help me out of here. Is it Prestige then? Well, I do cross the Prestige network on a few of my brands. So Delicious and Travel and Luxury are part of the Prestige network. So I do work closely with the Prestige team on those brands. And Escape is part of the, the Metro Masthead network. So I sort of sit everywhere with everyone, <laughs> I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course. I'm thinking of Escape every Sunday in the... Um, in the metros, yeah. The yeah. Masthead's, yeah. yeah. Uh, with an editor's letter every week. Is that the um, is that the most frequent writing you have to do every week? Yeah, I'm doing a lot of... Yeah, it's quite been quite good um, doing, doing sort of challenging myself to write a column every week. Um, it's just good to keep your hand in it, actually. Um, and there's so much that happens uh, every week, almost every day in travel at the moment. You're never short on news to, sure. to cover. Well, I'll, I'll ask you a bit about some of these other roles but before we wind up, but let's, um, let's stick with Delicious. Now, 20th anniversary, when did you come on board at Delicious? Well, I've yeah, I, I'd say it's seven and a half years ago. Um, I came on board with Delicious. Yeah. So uh-huh. it's been a fair while. Who was your predecessor? Well, Do they never the, Trudy Trudy Jenkins was in my role, but they didn't fill the editor in chief role. Um when they when when she left, I don't believe. So what? and it was in that period of where News Corp was trying for some time to finalize buying Delicious outright from the ABC. So it was a bit of a transition period. Um, yep. That that when when I kind of came onto the brand. So yeah, I, I was fortunate. Pretty quickly after after I started, um, News Corp uh, finalised that buyout and owning it outright, and then put we put there was a lot of work done on building out and growing the brand from there on in. Am I right in thinking was Trudy a founding editor? I think Neil Whitaker was. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Neil Whitaker. Um, right. And then I think um, so. I, I think Trudy. He may have handed the baton to Trudy. Um, right. I, I can't remember the time frame or anything, but I, yeah, I think that it, Neil started it, and then um, Trudy took over. And I, I obviously I still see Trudy a fair bit out and about. You know, still still around to this day. So. And, and I see Neil too. I mean, I chat to Neil. So it's, you know, a great group of people that have worked on the brand over the years, really. It's a hall of fame. That's what it is, <laughs> Come on. You're in august company there with um, Neil Whitaker, Trudy Jenkins and yeah. now you. Now, of course, now I mentioned magazine, but, of course, Delicious is much more than a magazine, isn't it? Yeah, I always get a shock when people say magazine because my mindset is brand. So the magazine's still a really strong or important part or foundation for Delicious, but, yeah, it's it's so much larger than a magazine and we don't think of ourselves as a magazine. We, we think of ourselves as a, as a large brand and a network really, but um, 
yeah, look, it's still a it's still a very beautiful experience, the magazine, and it still has a lot of loyal subscribers and a loyal audience. So it's uh it's unique in that in that sense. And it's I guess it's it's a key part of the editorial offering, isn't it? I mean it, it is. Anything you do in the magazine is pretty important overall, and it'll be also replicated or expanded on other parts of the yeah. um, Correct. And it gives the brand quite a bit of stretch to have that beautiful, glossy premium magazine experience. Um, And you're right, it's attractive to clients as kind of a foundation or a linchpin when you're launching a campaign. And and it's a a complementary but different audience to our digital audience and our social and our video audience and also whatever we do with the brand in, in the metros and the mastheads. So it sort of allows us to it's, I always say it's a it's a premium brand at scale because it's hard to have a large audience on a premium brand, um, but Delicious manages to to do it, and the magazine is a is a key part of that. Yeah, what um, I'm guessing you know some of that. I didn't give any warning on this, but the the reach of the audience. How many people do you think engage with Delicious? On a, on a month or roughly? I mean, I'm not well, don't yeah, have to give me the exact number. But. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a really it's really large. I mean, in across print and if you think about the magazine and the digital audience, you know, you're hitting over a million, but you've also got an extraordinary social audience of over a million, and you've got video, um, you know, video views just on social alone are seven million per month. So, you know, the video network for Delicious is is enormous um, and, you know, something we jumped on really early in our category four, year, four or so years ago that, again, you know, the growth in that video category is leading to, you know, one of the big launches, you know, that we're announcing soon. But it's and, – and also, obviously, we do – we have different parts or facets of Delicious within the Metro Mastheads as well. Um, we've got Delicious on Sunday and Stella, that's additional – uh, there's, you know, Delicious in Smart Daily. So, yeah, it's sort of delicious is everywhere. <laughs> now, just just back up half a second. Now, you mentioned a launch coming up. Yeah. Now, you obviously can't tell me. I can. But, oh, you actually. can? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Now, is that part yeah. of Delicious or is that a separate? Um... Delicious. Yeah. Um, it's really exciting, actually, because it's something very innovative and and uh, it really taps into that 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 growing audience that we have in video and social, um, we're launching a program called Make It Delicious. But the interesting wow. thing about it, and it's in partnership with Marcel, who's our founding partner, um, the really unique thing about it is it's, it's, it's filmed, it's being created digital and social first. So okay. it can be packaged up in a more traditional TV format, you know, the long form, traditional format, but it's actually being filled in in the reverse. So filmed for TikTok, for YouTube, for delicious.com.au and also for other networks. So if we play segments on news.com.au, you can put the episodes or the segments together to create one long form piece of content, but you can extrapolate each of the segments to be cut short for TikTok or delicious.com.au or news.com.au, for example. So this idea that we're creating a show in the reverse um, is really exciting. And, again, it sort of lends itself to the audience that we want to go after, which, you know, we've got that phenomenal video audience already, 
this is going to grow that. Um, but, yes, it can still be packaged up in, in traditional format too. Did you say how that's going to be branded? Yeah, it's called Make It Delicious. Make which It is, Delicious. Which is our on long-term hashtag and, and tagline is, you know, make it delicious. Um, you know, food is life, make it delicious. But we've, we've, we're calling it Make It Delicious because that's the hashtag everyone uses for delicious on social media. And it fits with the program as well. But I, I'm, I'm really excited. That sort of goes into pre-production soon to sort of launch early next year. Uh, and it feels like a great thing to be doing on your 20th anniversary because it's very, it's next generation. It's the next gen of, of formatting and programming, really. How does that differ from what you're already doing with video? Well, I guess it can be put together in, it's, it's an eight-part series. So it's probably longer form than what we're doing. Um, at the moment, we're doing one-off videos. And, yes, there's strategy and programming around them and we, but we create a video as a one-off thing, whereas this is sort of an eight-part series um, okay. and, and you can put it together and it will tell a longer tale or a longer story, but equally it can be cut down and used, each sort of segment can be used as something entertaining in its own right. So it's like a, the jigsaw puzzle that you can take apart and put back together um, and it has a lot of longevity in that you know, someone might not want to watch a 22-minute program, but they might, and a lot of people now like to watch something shorter. And so it's sort of catering to lots of different audiences. We've got a growing TikTok audience. We've got a growing, you know, we've got a, well, our Facebook audience. We've had a phenomenal sort of month with video and Facebook, the last few months on Facebook. But it's kind of thinking about the different audiences that we target and crafting the content for that first versus just creating one long format, if that makes sense. So I think, um, and it, it will have some really interesting talent in it. Darren Robertson's sort of been signed um, to be our, our anchor for that. And he's a long-term um, delicious contributor, uh, but he's sort of, he, he, he's going to be a great, um, a great fit for both bringing that program to life in social, in digital, if it ends up long, long format, but also he translates well to our print audience too because he's a long-term print contributor. Um, so you'll sort of see integration woven through all aspects of our brand for that. Tell us what happened to the Delicious brand during COVID. I'm guessing big spikes in your yeah. di digital. Yeah. yeah, big. I mean, record-breaking um, in, yeah, like largest digital audiences ever, largest engaged, sort of had a record year of, of, of engagement, growth, profitability. Um, and we had some of our biggest um, print issues too for years, uh, but I think print in general had a, um, a resurgence through COVID. You know, a lot of categories did. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's been a very, it was, it was a very good year for Delicious. Um, for sure. And I'm, I'm guessing in print, uh, you'd sell a lot of copies in supermarkets, yeah? Yeah, that's right. And we also have always had a very strong subscriber yeah, base. Okay. We, yeah. that we had subscriber growth as well in COVID. Um, but, yeah, you're correct. And and I think for for um, Australia, you know, you're still able to access news agents as well. So we we, we definitely had a really good year um, on, on all fronts for Delicious. And so I guess, you know, it was a good time to expand off that and build off a new program, new drinks club, 
new baking range. You know, there's so many things being built and launched out of Delicious right now, um, you know, to, to set up for the future. I think that's one of the really good things about news is that you're constantly being, um, you know, challenged and the brand's constantly, you know, undergoing strategic growth. Uh, it's almost hard to recognise the brand from when I first started on it, which it was it was just a magazine. I mean, it was a beloved magazine and a beautiful magazine, but it, that was really all we had. Um, we didn't even have a site, a website back then. And wow. you know, now we've got this thumping, <laughs> thumping big organism, whatever, whatever it is. It's almost like a living, breathing thing. But it's, um, yeah, I think it, it's having that the network behind you really challenges you to up your game constantly. It's good. It's one of the things that's happened, I guess, since you've been at News. They they used to have a lot of magazines. They don't have so many, but the ones they've got are very strong because they've protected the brand by diversifying revenue streams, as you've yes. been alluding to, yeah? Yeah, correct. And and that's exactly, we don't think as a magazine, we, we think of, yeah, I guess, verticals or content. And I think they've, they've chosen magazines that will be number or are number one in their category uh, that have that potential to grow and have tentacles that can grow throughout the network and beyond. So, yeah, they're, they're very strategic about that um, and, and and now it's about future growth. So that each each sort of magazine that does still exist has got a clear clear space or clear laneway and very, um, very strategic growth outcomes, I guess. Because you have some great contributors to Delicious, don't you, restaurateurs, um, around Australia and not around the world still, I think, don't, yeah. don't you? Yeah, yeah definitely. It's sort of ironic, isn't it? They were reaching their biggest audiences while a lot of them, their businesses were sort of closed. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, an incredibly hard time for the restaurant industry. Um, so a lot of people, yeah, just started communicating. Well, particularly in the first lockdown, I think, we saw people really communicating avidly with their audiences and sharing sides to themselves and their kitchens or their pantries that we'd never seen before. So there was this, and, and even it was interesting, the expectations around video production really changed as well. It used to be very, um, you know, either cinematic or very highly produced, perfect. And there's been a whole shift now to, yeah, mobile first video, uh, live video is where, our growth is happening and will continue to happen. Um, and that that's really that expectation of the audience, how they view videos really changed as well. They sort of are not looking for that perfect, <laughs> perfectly edited, you know, footage anymore. They're looking for something authentic. I hate to use that word. It's probably really overused, but <laughs> authentic, engaging, um, you know, and, and a bit different and a glimpse of their favourite personalities that they haven't normally seen before. And, and a lot of people, a lot of, yeah, those our contributors really flourished at that because they're good at communicating to audiences. Um, so that that was interesting to see. But I'm equally happy um, to see some of them get their restaurants open and um, be able to get working again. As a bit of an aside, do you think, I mean, some of these people have done very well setting up takeout take options, you know. Do you think when, when if we sort of back to normal that those businesses might continue alongside the sort of sit-down eateries? Because it seems they could coexist together perhaps. I think some will and some won't. You know, okay. some of your fine dining um, experiences 
didn't or chose not to go down that path because it's not feasible and it's not what their offering is. Um, but then others, you know, like Josh Nyland, for example, opened up, um, you know, his charcoal fish, which was a more accessible kind of version of what you might get at St. Peter. It really depends, I think, on the um, on the restaurant. I mean, I don't think, you know, I was chatting to um, the team at Provador the other day and they kind of were established to help deliver restaurant quality meals to people at home. And, you know, some people, some restaurants will continue with them and some won't, you know, because they really want to focus on the dining and the in-dining right. experience. So I think it really comes down to each individual operator and what they want their restaurant to be and what they see as viable. Yeah. It's hard. I think, I think if you're going to be cooking something really detailed at home, um, it's been okay while we've been in lockdown because you've got the time and there's been nothing else to do. Whereas once you can get out and about again, whether people will have the attention span or the inclination to do that, that that remains to be seen. It'll be interesting to watch, you know. I think, um, you know, it, it's and it's like anything at the moment is constantly changing week to week. People's moods and the consumer sentiment seems to change really. So I guess it would be about keeping abreast of, of where the consumer's at. But I think a lot of people will want to get back out and be cooked for. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that they can't wait to be served in their favourite restaurant, <laughs> you know, um, and have someone pour them a great glass of champagne or what have you. And, and, and that experience of being looked after is something really special. Yeah. Do you think um, all this has also made people appreciate perhaps a little bit more not fine dining, but going to a lot of trouble in your own home, making a big deal about an evening. So going out will still be critical, but making an effort at home's also got renewed sort of importance. Totally. And there's that sort of parallel happening where people really miss their favourite restaurants um, and that incredible experience and that indulgent experience, but equally they've become very avid entertainers again. And almost I'm thinking, you know, I was talking to the Delicious team um, in our whip and we were sort of saying, look, we've got the opportunity with Chris this Christmas, I think last Christmas we had our best ever sort of digital audiences and best in four-year print audiences. Like I think we've got another opportunity this Christmas to, to better that again because people are looking to make this entertain in this entertaining in Christmas and summer season more than ever before because it's become so special and people have renewed their love of cooking or entertaining at home or crafting menus um, and, and people are kind of rediscovering that love of that moment um, at home getting out the best champagne and what have you. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think you're right on both counts there, that that love of entertaining has increased and come to the fore again as people really get in touch with their, their cooking skills or rediscover their love of it because they've had the time. I think I've asked you this before in the past, but I'll do it again. The, you must get some pretty interesting data about what people are searching for, recipes they're using um, across the, the delicious sort of asset, if you like. Um, have you seen that change? Yes, and you know what we were talking about this morning is that um, the number one search term on our site over the weekend was Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so people are preparing wow. their epic Christmas already, which, um, you know, is kind of extraordinary. But, look, yeah, and we also are lucky we tap into the Whole Food Network's data. So we're looking at, you know, taste.com.au and best rest, you know, the whole network. And you can get a really good glimpse of seasonal trends and what people um, what people want 
as a whole, but also delve down into each brand and the difference between each brand. I mean, you know, the other interesting thing right now, you know, cocktails, anything with gin, margaritas, Aperol spritzes, wow. you know, people are enjoying that sort of content as they start to get out and summer, you know, even you see pit trends in picnic foods because people are picnicking, uh, you know, the, the, the October issue cover that I had for delicious that had Ottolenghi's potato and spinach tart, which was a great picnic food, which was fortuitous. We actually didn't plan that around the picnic trend but you know that did that issue did phenomenally well because it was a perfect picnic food and and so you sort of see these trends come and go and then you see also you know there are certain recipes that track well year in year out at different times of the year like Christmas you're always going to have the glazed hams the pavlovas the trifles the gingerbread men but then you get some seasonal glitches like picnics um, or Aperol spritz or gin um, so yeah there's sort of the 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 the, the constants and then the um, the upstarts that you notice as well that leads me to ask you I'll ask you a couple of specific things. You've told me in the past chocolate is always a bit of a buzzword. You can never go too long without something um, substantial on chocolate. Is that still the case? Totally, yeah. And um, it's, you know, obviously it rears its head dramatically at Easter. Easter and Christmas are your big kind of occasions in food, but it's it's pop chocolate's popular year-round, um, chocolate anything, and, um, you know, chocolate cakes, chocolate brownies, chocolate tarts, chocolate cocktails, chocolate espresso martinis. <laughs> uh, espresso martinis are another interesting one. Like anything with kind of coffee or espresso martini kind of is, is a bit of a trigger for our audience too. I think they're a reasonably boozy audience. They like uh-huh. a good time. So, you, um, yeah, and, and yeah, cho- chocolates are all, always a winner. And then, you know, there's certain things like that are just always there like chicken. You know, right. and so there's that. That's just a you know, not not so fun, not as fun as chocolate. Um, <laughs> you generally you generally have words or ingredients that you know will will trigger momentum, and then you get things that are a bit of a surprise as well in the mix. Okay, um, Otto Lenghi. Yeah. Is that is that a bit of a buzzword? Because I know he's just a great. Yeah, he's definitely probably the most loved recipe writer you know, out there, I'd say he, he, and he's number one. Yeah. He, he, yeah, we put him on the cover a lot and he ranks really well online and, and it probably, probably, yeah, he surpassed Jamie Oliver for us as, um, as that talent. And I think he's renowned among cooks because he, he puts so much effort into his testing of his recipes and his recipes always have a bit of wow factor, but are not too difficult. And so he hits that nail on the head right where our, what our audience wants, which is impressive but effortless, but people trust that his, that his recipes work. And that's a massive factor if you're going to go out and invest in things for people coming over or entertaining. You A, you want to know you've spent money on ingredients on a recipe that's going to work, and B, you want something that's got a bit of talkability that people will be impressed by. And he kind of really has that. That, that zone. Um, so, yeah, he, he's very popular, Ottolenghi. Yeah. Okay. Now, you mentioned, this is my third question, you mentioned a bit of a boozy crowd, um, <laughs> your readership, but but some people, I mean, some people drank a bit more during COVID. Some people went the other way. And I'm sort of asking about myself in this one. I stopped drinking pretty much during COVID. Is there a, now there, 
I thought there was a bit of a non-alcoholic there movement. Is. There's there more is. around. But then I did go into a, a big chain recently and said, look, I'm surprised you haven't got more, you know, non-alcoholic beer or wines. And they said, yeah, look, we've tried it, but we get it in and it just doesn't sell that well. So is it still early days maybe? Yeah, I think it's still emerging and it'll be interesting to see where it is in another year or two. I mean, anyone you talk to in the drinks world is adamant that you're on the money there, James, that it okay. is indeed an emerging market. It's growing. Um, and, and as much as people find that hard to believe, yeah, it's definitely growing, but it's still small. But there's a also, you know, there are a raft of new offerings, whether it's, you know, no alcohol beers, um, spirits, gins, mixes, what have you, that are hitting the market. So, yeah, I, I'm interested personally. I, I wouldn't, if you had said that to me, I remember doing an interview with the founder of Seedlip, maybe, I don't know, it was like two or three years ago, and he was kind of the very first boutique premium non-alcoholic spirit. And I just thought, oh, this, this isn't going to take off. And I was wrong. <laughs> and, I, and so I thought well, three years ago I, couldn't have, I wouldn't have believed the growth. So it'll be interesting. I think it, it is growing, yeah. Um, and it is definitely content that we cover, although, yeah, it's still a, a small portion of the market and certain parts of the market. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, well, I wouldn't write it off. No, you know. it's, it's good to hear. Keep doing it because I'm having great fun exploring the range because, you know, you, there's not a lot to guide you, so you're doing it on your own taste tests. Yeah. And, and most boutique breweries seem to have their own yeah. um, their own brew, so everyone's sort of dabbling in it. Yes. And, and then just as an offside from that, what about um, uh, meat-free diets, if you like? Is, yes. Is that a bit more of a thing now maybe than it used to be or at least sort of eating sustainably? Well, do you know? Do you know what was really interesting in the first lockdown? So you know, last year, that meat-free trend completely fell off the radar. It was growing and growing and growing um, astronomically, and then lockdown hit, and everyone just went into it was more about survival mode versus health. And I think a lot of people learned after that first lockdown. Well, I think as my my GP said, she said you either became a a, a drunk, a chunk. <laughs> a monk or a hunk in COVID, which I, I, I just couldn't stop laughing about because it felt very apt. And a lot of people either drank or ate too much or what have you in that first lockdown. And then the second or third or whatever, fourth lockdown, they thought, no, I'm going to, I need to be healthier here. And so we've seen a huge rebound in that this, this time round. Um, and after COVID, as people realised, I need to get my health back, the world isn't ending. <laughs> so I, I think it's completely on the up again. And yeah, I think I think people it, it differs for each audience. I mean, for a delicious, it's probably more about sustainable eating versus completely eliminating meat. But we do have a strong vegetarian or flexitarian audience, so um, we have uh, you know it's it's growing again. Is my answer to that? Um, but you know, we have meat eaters and meat free eaters as long as you know there's a good selection or choice, um, and even people. People that are looking for meat-free meals, they may not be looking to be 100% vegetarian. They, they're looking to have that flexitarian lifestyle. So they just want a great idea for a salad or, you know, one night a week, for example. And I think um, people are getting savvier about the meat-free offerings. They, they will eat them if they're of a high quality and not full of lots of chemicals and preservatives um, because that's not helpful either. So I think people are just getting a bit savvier around it as well. Okay. Now, before I wind up this podcast and get you to talk about some of your other roles, 
finish us off with delicious in terms of how we can engage with the brand on different platforms? Well, yeah, obviously we've got our monthly print um, magazine and that is celebrating its 20th anniversary in November. Um, we've obviously got delicious.com.au, uh, which, you know, is incredibly um, healthy and large and um in, and then you've also got all of your social platforms. So you find Delicious on, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, whatever, Pinterest, Twitter, what have you. And then, um, you know, you'll be able to see the new, um, the new uh, program, Make It Delicious. That will be um, more to come on that. That will be coming out early next year. Uh, and then um, you'll Stella. find St- yeah, Delicious on Sunday and Stella. You'll find Delicious in Smart Daily in the Tuesday metro, metros. Um, may have more to tell you there, but we'll, we'll wait okay. and see. <laughs> now, if, um, we, if we search for recipes on taste, that also throws up delicious yeah, we all that- we all link to each other. At the you'll find at the bottom of the page, there's an internal referral system between all the food sites. Even though we've got quite different audiences, um, it will serve up. You know, if you like this, here's more on our other associated brands. So I think that that's a really that's a great system as as well. Um, and then obviously we have our we have our. Um, our MOOCs or our cookbooks, magazine oh, books yeah, that wow. are on sale, we do them bi-monthly um, and, uh, you know, that, that's, um, that they've been sort of running for quite a, quite a few years now as well. Yeah. Um, and then we've Amazing. obviously got our, all our video channel, our, our video network, which is um, probably what's growing at the greatest rate currently. So you have a YouTube channel? Yes, and TikTok, and TikTok. Is, is, is really you have videos probably on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram yep. Live, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook Live. Um, yeah, so you know you can find delicious pretty much. Do you need a business case for each of these platforms, or do they all just feed back to the sort of mothership? Or you need a business case. Um, for certain things, for example, the new program, you you know, you need it needs to be financially viable in how we build that. Um, or if we're building um, the new baking range, you know, what's the business case around that? I mean, American Express Delicious Month out definitely needs a business case, um, and that's becoming. I guess you've got your kind of um, your, your kind of pillars like the Delicious Produce Awards, the you know American Express Delicious Month out you know, growth of those will require um, a business case. I mean, American Express Delicious Month Out is actually also growing to Adelaide next year. That'll be four states. So that's that's an extraordinary... Oh, so, so that's growing. committed for next year? Yeah, and I mean that... That'll be that huge. It, it will be. And, you know, I mean, I know you came, you've been before, James, but... The, this year, you know, we, we moved to Eastern Seaboard, um, so, you know, Sydney, Melbourne and um, Brisbane, and we partnered with the, the Metro Mastheads in each state, so the Daily Tally, the Korea Mail and, and their Sunday, the Herald Sun. And, you know, Amex, um, you know, Amex acquired, you know, something like 75,000 new cardholders and, you know, it gener- we generated... Uh, you know, it was around $21 million in spend back into hospitality businesses on those offers. And, you know, if you think about that, that's an extraordinary powerful event for, for, for the second, just the second year running, um, how much 
much that's generating, you know, money going back into the hospitality industry. That's really another, that's become another huge platform in itself for Delicious. And to be going to Adelaide next year is um, is hugely exciting because they're very foodie wine territory uh, and they're, they're really keen to participate too with the advertiser there. So that that's a, that's super, super exciting. Um, so, look, it's, I haven't even talked about the cakes yet, James. <laughs> new, new baking range launching as well. So, so what, we can... Buy a cake, or you can make a cake. Make a cake mixes, baking mixes with wool in partnership oh. with Woolworths. Yeah, um, yeah, cake mixes. Wow. Taking advantage of the desire for baking in COVID, um, we're launching um, a, a new baking range with the November birthday issue. How many so, um, different varieties? Start, do you call it a variety? What do you call it? Yeah, yes, um, skews. Skews, flavours. Four, four to start, and there's another four in production, you know, for early next year. So that range will continue to grow. Um, Are these cupcakes, big cakes? What are you? Um, cookies and cream cake, chocolate mousse cake, banana golden syrup upside down cake, and, oh, what's, I've forgotten the fourth one. Oh, oh my goodness. Well, that's all right. There's it's too, too much to do with having anyway. A, <laughs> having a mental what do you plan. So you need, you'll need things like eggs and milk and butter. Yeah, yeah, minimal but ingredients. But it's still, it's still quite easy. I mean, some of those things yes. still sounded pretty daunting. Then, no, and they're not. And that, that's, again, coming back to that brand ethos, impressive but effortless, we sort of looked at some of our most popular cakes and how we could transition them fairly easily into cake mixes. And we've done a lot of testing and development. And no, they're surprisingly easy. They look um, they look fantastic. Um, can I eat that without becoming a chunk? To quote your, uh, <laughs> I think you could eat one, one or two. But you know, I think if you're having in moderation, day, right? The chunk, yeah, not the moderation whole. with exercise. All right, look, that that that's there's so much there to take in. Now, quickly, I want to cover some of your now. Travel and luxury is one of the things that re- yes. really excites me about your job. Same, really exciting. <laughs> and even more exciting, you know, it's it's um, going to by monthly, it's going to six issues next year. And that's like phenomenal. When we, we started this in the middle of the pandemic and I, I remember Michael Miller, you know, was very keen for us to get this out to support the market, show we were really serious about the luxury travel category. And um, it started as two issues, went to four, now it's six. It's been smashing budgets and... I mean, what a great, um, you know, what a great success story in a in the middle of a pandemic, you know. So this is inserted in the Australian Correct. newspaper Correct. on Fridays? On Fridays. Saturdays, Fridays. On Fridays. And so yeah. it also le- plays into a, this beautiful network. So you've got obviously the Glossy Magazine on the Fridays going bi-monthly. Then you've got Travel and Luxury in the Weekend Australian every weekend, the weekend offering, you know, in the newsprint. And then all of the prestige brands um, renamed their travel sections, travel and luxury. So it becomes a true network of luxury travel intenders. Okay. So delicious, Vogue Living, Vogue. And I think that, 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 that and then obviously there'll, there'll be more development happening there that we can talk to you about later. But um, I think that, that's, that that audience we had of premium or luxury travel intenders um, you know, it, it was right for harnessing a brand to target or cater to them. And so it's exciting to be growing that audience at this time where obviously, you know, despite a pandemic, people's appetite for that top-end travel has increased versus waned. 
And then, of course, that's a, in a way that's an offshoot of escape. Is that right? Well, it's not. It's kind of separate. Like in that escape is like uh, I guess our our big um, the big mothership yep. for the company. It's aspirational mass. So it's sort of hitting a really big. Um, it's more of the the mass approach across the Sunday well, so prestige. Yeah, escapes, so travel. If you like. Yeah, and so escape. Escape has its kind of weekly Sunday lift out, which is an aspirational mass market offering. Then it has a glossy bi-monthly magazine, which is slightly a bit more premium again, but still broad. And then you, you go into the sort of the luxury tier end of the market. Okay. And that's the travel and luxury is our prestige offering. Um, and it's a separate brand altogether. Um, and so, yeah, it's, that's... And then you've also got Savvy Escape, which sits in the daily in the smart section for the metros. So you've got this and news.com.au travel. So you've got a really good kind of cachet of travel brands that really speak to different audiences and have become a true network, a true travel network, which was the objective, I guess, when we, you know, that was Michael's goal for Fee and I 18 months ago is to really build out this amazing network of products. And we've got you know, we've, we've got the audience and now we've got the network and we're ready right at the right time, um, you know, to help bring travel back really. Okay. Are you any more hands-on editorially with any of those or sort of similar um, each? I love getting amongst it. <laughs> <laughs> I love all, I mean, I, I get as involved as I can. I really, I mean, obviously I've got very, really good um, teams across all, you know, everything, but no, yeah, you get it as involved as you as you can, really. Um, it's it's uh, it's a really important and enjoyable part of the process. Okay, that's great. Look, that's fantastic. Thanks for that sort of insight into your world. It's been um, fascinating. You're always great to chat to because um, I don't know how you manage your time across all that, but you've obviously found a way to do it. So um, we might have a separate chat one day about how you manage that, but it's um, great. And for people who've listened to this, if they're not already engaged with all those different things, there's um, plenty of there to get stuck into. So, look, um, Kerry McCallum, congratulations on the 20th anniversary. We'll be looking for that. Um, print's still probably my favourite, so I'll be <laughs> definitely hands all over that. It's it's on sale. It's um, it's about the twenty third, twenty first. Thursday. No, it's Thursday. So what's Thursday? Twenty first. Yeah, you're right. You're 20, spot on. Twenty first of October. Spot on. And it'll be out for about a month, but get it quickly because anniversary editions of um, magazines tend to sell out pretty quickly. I forgot. There's also sixty thousand dollars worth of prizes to be won with Ooh. Club Twenty. It's a it's an initiative for social print digital. Okay. Great experiences to be won for the twentieth. I forgot to mention that too. There's another reason. Oh, to and get Qantas it. drinks. Anyway, we can talk about that. That's another okay. time. All righty, Kerry. Thanks so much. Thank you, James. <laughs>